In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. As we've heard the past couple of weeks, the biblical miracles show us a few things. First, they are like a little acorn falling off the tree of God's perfect future. Or to put it in today's terms with the gospel text, they are like a little crumb falling off the master's table. The miracles show us a glimpse of what the future is like for those who belong to Christ. And then they also show us Jesus' authority over the creation and how he uses that authority to enact good for his people. So today's gospel text is one of my favorites. It's no different in that it shows his authority over the demonic, his power over the demonic forces of evil. So this is a miracle text. This is a miracle passage, make no mistake. But the miracle doesn't happen until at the very end. And before we get to the very end, there is a miracle staring us right in the face in this thing. And that's where we're going to spend most of our time today. Jesus withdrew from the district of Galilee because he was facing this rising opposition uh, to his ministry as surprise, surprise, he had offended the Pharisees once again. And during his travels up the coast, he went into near Tyre and Sidon, or Tyre and Sidon. There was this Canaanite woman who approached him and she was crying, have mercy on me, O son of David, O Lord, O son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. We've seen this sort of thing happen in Jesus' ministry before, right? Somebody comes up to him and has a need, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? And they'll tell him, and then he'll address the need. He will give them what they need. So what is unique about this woman? Why is this a big deal? Why did Matthew see fit to record this in the gospel? Well, The Gospel of Mark tells us that she was a Syrophoenician woman, which makes her a Gentile. That's talking about where she comes from, the district of Syrophoenicia. And already, as a Gentile, that's grounds for her being considered an outsider. That's bad enough, right? But Matthew puts an even finer point on it. You see, Matthew is writing to Jews. And they would have known right away what he was talking about here. Matthew called her a Canaanite. So not only was she a Gentile from Syrophoenicia, but her lineage goes all the way back to God's ancient enemies. The very ones that God had commissioned that his people were to wipe off the face of the earth whenever they went into the promised land. It goes back hundreds, thousands of years. So here's a Canaanite that has the audacity to to approach a Jewish rabbi which is scandalous enough. She's got no business doing that given the history of her people as God's enemies. And to add to it, she's a woman. So in these ancient cultures, right, this was a no-no. It was shameful for a woman to approach a, a man in this way and not to mention a man of authority. So we've got the double whammy here that we shouldn't overlook. She was a Canaanite woman. There are some serious barriers here. But it doesn't matter. Her daughter needs help. 
And somehow she knows about the one, she knows the one that can give her aid. Perhaps she had a book of Psalms somewhere. Perhaps she had an extra copy of one of the prophets or something like that. Or maybe the word about Christ had traveled all the way up to her circles about this man. We don't know. We just know that she knew because listen to her confession. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Now, if you're a parent in the room, you know the sheer willpower that comes upon you whenever your child is in serious need. You would crawl over broken glass to get your child help if they had these types of issues. And for this woman, she knew exactly where to go. She pleaded with Jesus that he be merciful to her because he is Lord. Because he is the son of David. Because he is Israel's Messiah. She knew. Once upon a time in Matthew's gospel, there was a Roman centurion who also knew. A Gentile. He knew about how authority works. You know, the Roman soldier wanted Jesus to heal his paralyzed servant, but he didn't want Jesus coming under his roof. He said, that's not even necessary. He just knew that all Jesus had to do was speak a word and that it would be done because he, as a soldier and as a man in command, a man in authority, knew, knew how it worked, right? I say to one soldier, go from here to there and it's done. All you have to do, Jesus, is say the word. And Jesus marveled at this man's faith. Like him, the Canaanite woman knew that if Jesus was Lord and that if he was Israel's Messiah, then he could do all things. This business about her daughter being oppressed by a demon, it was small potatoes. He could handle it. So this story is already incredible enough. We should pause there, right? We have the most unlikely person in the world coming to Jesus to seek his aid. This woman that is the furthest thing from one of God's people. She came to the right place. She came to the right person. The one who has all authority to aid. But what happens next leaves us with our jaws on the floor and we are unsure what to make of things. He did not answer her a word. What? She had the right confession about Jesus. She had better theology than most people in Israel. And he wouldn't answer her? This doesn't seem like the Jesus we know. All she wanted was a little bit of mercy, and it seemed like he couldn't even be bothered to look her way. Have you ever prayed for something, and you were just met with silence? Sure you have. And I'm not talking about stuff that you want. I'm talking about stuff that you need, like real need, right? Maybe you, you, maybe you prayed for a promotion one time and you didn't get it and you feel like, oh, God didn't hear me or whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real need. You've got chronic pain. You or a loved one came down with a terminal illness. Your child wandered from the faith and you're not sure if they're coming back. 
You need strength to bear with an unbelieving spouse. You don't know if you can make it work financially and you're doing all that you can. As your pastor, I know some of your prayers. I know that this is what you pray for. But I don't know everything. I don't, I don't know much more that you pray for in the day-to-day. You're unsure whether God really hears you. Me too, sometimes. It often feels hopeless. He could change this if he wanted to. He has all authority, so why can't he be bothered? Look at the woman who had no business demanding anything from Jesus. Look how she wouldn't give up. Disciples came to Jesus begging him to send her away. So this was not the disciples being benevolent and loving and caring and saying, Jesus, you really ought to include this woman. They just wanted her to get away. You're annoying us. So what is the implication here? It meant that as Jesus met her with silence, she cried out even more. She caused such a ruckus in such a scene that it made the disciples uncomfortable. If Jesus was going to give her the silent treatment, then she was just going to get even louder. Then he turned to his disciples. And he said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, his messianic activity and his ministry was only limited to the scope of God's people for now. It's not that Jesus didn't heal a Gentile or two from time to time, but that he was not going to be turned into some traveling circus performer, like a faith healer type. He had a job to do in calling Israel to repentance and faith in the gospel. And the nations, for now, would have to wait until after Pentecost. Then all bets are off. But if you're hearing this, talk about a gut punch. If you and I heard that, church, that would seal the deal for us. (laughs) He's got a job to do. He's got no time for me right now. He came for his people, and that's not me. But did the Canaanite woman think that at all? One commentator put it this way. I love this. He said this. She had set her faith on the word and works of this man and refuses to give up. With new courage, she flings herself in his way, worshiping him him as the Lord from heaven and insisting that he must help, that he must grant her prayer. If prayer fails, she is ready to storm heaven itself. She knelt before him, saying, Lord, Help me. Another beautiful prayer. Another faithful confession of Jesus as Lord. Her faith persisting in the face of all odds. Compare this to last week's gospel passage about Peter and his weakness of faith. But what follows next, church, it's not just going to be a gut punch, but a potential death blow. She finally got Jesus to answer her. But it's not what she wanted to hear. 
It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Do what? (laughs) So not only did he not have time for her, but now she was a dog? How offensive, especially in our culture. We offend easily. We'd be gone. We'd be out of there. You know, the Pharisees and many of the Jews, they were offended at even the most basic of Jesus' teachings. We thumb our nose at them. We say, look at these guys. These guys are offended so easily. They, you know, this basic stuff like saying that you should treat the commandments of God as more important and authoritative than the commandments of men. That's just basic Christianity. And the Pharisees were so offended by that. We would never be offended. But this, this is too much. But not for her. She was all too willing to accept what her Lord said about her. But then to turn it around on him. Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She got him. You'll get no argument from her. If the Lord wants to call her a dog, then let it be so. She knew that she was a Canaanite woman. She knew that she had no business approaching this man, but she didn't care. What she knew about herself didn't matter so much in comparison to what she knew about Jesus. He was the Son of God. He was Israel's Messiah. She didn't argue with him about it not being fair that he only came for his people. She didn't argue with him about that. She didn't argue with him about you not having enough time to to step outside the boundaries and start to heal the Gentiles. She didn't argue with that. She actually agreed. She said, yes, you have come to call God's people to repentance. You have come to do your messianic work. But if that's true, then it actually means something for me too. I don't care if you call me a dog. If you say so, then let me be a dog. But just know that I am actually entitled to what a dog gets. If it's even just one crumb that falls from your table, it is enough. This is mind-blowing. This right here, it doesn't get better than this. This is the miracle of the text. This woman's faith, do you see how she trapped Jesus with his own words and would not let him off the hook? When your prayers for what you need seem to go unmet, when it feels like no one is listening, when you feel that you are unworthy to even approach God with your petitions, remember this woman. The truth is, is that we are unworthy. Scripture names us something far more offensive than dogs. You know what it calls us? Sinners. It's one of the first things that we said whenever we came into this place. Us saying that we are sinners, we are simply confessing what God already tells us in his word. We don't have any business 
approaching the Lord of the universe, let alone getting him to pay attention to us. But we do anyway. Why? Because he loves to be merciful to sinners. Because dogs get the crumbs. Because sinners receive mercy. That's what God's word says, and he will never lie to us. So we go on petitioning the Lord for what we need, even if heaven should, even if heaven itself should close its doors to us, because guess what? We've got a warrant. Whenever we pray in this way, what we are doing is we are simply holding God to his promises. You know, whenever my daughter asks for something, and she has to do it over and over and over again because it seems I'm not paying attention, and eight times out of ten, that's the case, right? She knows what to do. She pulls out the big guns. She pulls out the heavy artillery. You know what it is? But Dad, you said... And when I realize that she's right... I give in. You're right. I did say that. Okay. Let it be done for you as you desire. Is this not how our Lord teaches us to pray? But dad, you said. So, when you pray for healing from your infirmities, do so knowing that God has promised it. If not in this life, then in the one to come. Maybe a crumb will fall off the table. When you pray for your wayward child to return to the faith of his baptism, hold God to the promise that he made when he adopted that child into his family. The promise being that God would never stop loving the child and never stop chasing him down. When you pray for your daily bread, do so knowing that he has the authority to aid you in every situation and that he has promised to do so. Oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. Her daughter was healed at that very moment. He's a complete 180 for Jesus. He had come from a place that, that was that was rejecting him left and right, a place that was offended by him. But here, he was in enemy territory. Here, he was at his most offensive, but this woman refused to be offended by him. Instead, she grabbed hold of him and wouldn't let him go. And therefore, you know what? She revealed herself to not be a dog at all, but to be a child of the promise a child of God through faith in Jesus. No longer a stranger or an alien to God's promises, but that she was brought near by the blood of Israel's Messiah. We have the same promise. We have the same status. <laughs> yes, we're late to the party. Did you know that? We're getting in the kingdom on the coattails of the promises to Israel. You and I don't belong here, technically. We're undeserving Gentiles, far from God's promises. But the Holy Spirit has brought us here by the word of the gospel. 
And because that's true, we can always seek the aid of Jesus, knowing that he does hear us, knowing that he will answer us in his own time. Martin Luther said this about this passage. He said, for a long time, God denies our petition, and the answer is always no. But if we hold fast to the yes, it will finally be yes, and no longer no. For his word does not lie. Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Because the word is true, his promise will not fail. So brothers and sisters, we hold him to his promise as we seek his aid. We trap him in his own words, knowing that he won't turn us away, knowing that this is what he wants us to do. Because through the blood of Jesus, we who were once dogs have been made into children. And if children, then heirs, right alongside the Canaanite woman who would not be denied. May the Lord make our faith like hers. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.